eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by STP. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today, we are back at the NBC Sports Charlotte studios, where I'm joined by NASCAR and NBC analyst, Jeff Burton. Thanks for coming back, Jeff. Hey, it's good to be here. So we're here today to talk about a fairly dominant storyline in the 2017 season, and that would be NASCAR and its rules. So <laughs> this is your idea. You came to me with this idea for this podcast, which I think is great. I think this is a good format for having this discussion. So let's start wherever you want to start. Well, I think, first of all, I think the fans need to understand that there's there's two different types of well there's many different types of penalties but you know when you see a a team going through you know before qualifying and not being able to get through tech the first time I think there's a general belief that they're cheating that the team is trying to get something by on NASCAR that NASCAR doesn't know about when in fact the majority of those penalties are or not even penalties the majority of the times they can't get through tech the teams know NASCAR is checking. The teams go through there, and they know exactly what NASCAR is looking at, and they can't get through tech. And the reason why is because they're playing in thousandths of an inch. So it's a, it's a crew chief's job to get everything he can possibly get. And it's NASCAR's job to hold them within a tolerance limit. And the teams view that tolerance limit as the rule, much like pit road speeding. Speed limit is 50 but you don't get busted until you go 55. So to the teams, the rule is 54.9. And it's the same with rear skew. It's the same with every measurement that NASCAR takes. And they're pushing so hard to get to that edge that they understand that every little bit matters in speed. So they're trying to get to that edge. And when you go through, you you don't go through there not knowing you're going to make it. It's just you go through and you're, you might be three thousandths off. And then the fans say, well, why are you measuring in thousands? Well, you're three thousandths over the tolerance that they gave you. So th- that's not cheating. That is trying to get everything you can in a world where everything matters. And the sport has been viewed upon those types of penalties as teams that are cheating. Even post-race skew, post-race height, those kind of things, the teams know NASCAR is going to check it. I think that in the world of NASCAR where they've said, okay, we're going to have to check these things. If we don't, the teams are going to get completely out of hand, and we're going to check them in a more precise way. In some ways, that's created a problem. If NASCAR just turned their head and said, well, we don't care, right? We don't care what you do, then call skyrocket, right? Things get out of hand. The sport may not be viewed as a cheating sport as much, but you know, by NASCAR checking these things and holding the teams to a standard, people think that the sport's all about cheating. Those things are not cheating. They are 
trying to get all that you can. And I think that's a big difference, and I think the fans don't always understand that difference. And I think the cheating discussion was born out of, most recently, the Denny Hamlin penalty after he won the Southern 500. That was when the real debate began because there was a huge outcry, I think, on social media, I think it's fair to say, from the fan base about, well, how is this great that we watched this car chase down Martin Truex Jr.'s car in the closing laps, and Denny Hamlin wins the race, and we celebrate this incredible drive, and then we find out three days later that, oh, his car wasn't perfectly yep. legal. Yep. And Truex himself came out at Darlington and said, essentially what you just said, that I view what happened with Denny differently than... I I would view a guy soaking his tires or using, you know, another half gallon of fuel or, or, or doing something with his engine, adding a cylinder or whatever, because as Truex would know, as you would be able to speak to this, I mean, that team has been under a lot of scrutiny right. itself. So you can make a mistake and be over on tolerance, or you can do something hoping NASCAR doesn't see it and be over on tolerance. Right. Now, we're not always privy to which it, it was. So, again, there's cheating, and I'm not saying Denny Hamlin was cheating, but if NASCAR took a part apart and they found something that was made so that the rear end can move, it was made to manipulate the rules, then and intentionally done to, you know, a part intentionally done out of spec, a part intentionally done to do something that uh, the car is not supposed to do to create a performance advantage, well, that would per se be cheating. And it should be treated accordingly. It's not the same as using a part that NASCAR has approved and NASCAR says it's right and going through pre-race and being out of spec by a little bit. It's two completely different things. And they have to be viewed as differently. No more, no different than in basketball. There's, you know, when a guy travels, he doesn't always intend to travel. He get pushed or whatever. He loses his balance and he travels. He didn't intend to cheat. But the ref has to make the call. And there's other times a guy pushes a guy in the back on purpose and and that penalty is different. So it's really no different, but it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation for NASCAR and the teams. I believe that NASCAR and the teams have tried to work together to build a set of parameters, okay? And the teams have asked NASCAR to build a set of parameters because without those parameters, the sky's the limit on what the teams can spend money on. I mean, it just never stops. So in many ways, rules are created to help control costs. In many ways, when those rules are created to control costs, they actually make costs because now the teams have to spend money trying to get around those rules, right, and still be legal. So dynamically, meaning on the racetrack when the car is moving, the teams want the car to do certain things. And then what they're trying to do is when it comes back after they wanted to come back and it passed tech. Well, those are expensive things to do, right? And so the, t- the teams have some accountability in this and t- to say, okay, here's the rules. We know we can't break them. We know we have to stay within them. And when they're out of tolerance by thousands of an inch, they come back and say, you know, they want to convince people that that's NASCAR's fault. I don't believe that. I believe that's the team's fault. The problem and what's difficult for the teams and when I have compassion for the teams is, I'm driving a race car, and I want it to go as fast as it can go, and my crew chief's job is to get every thousandth of an inch he can get. And if he's not, I'm not going to run in the front. Well, sometimes when we, when we do that, we're going to go over. And so it's just a vicious circle. Right. And I, so, so at the end of the day, I think NASCAR will have to change some policies. They're going to have to up penalties. They're going to have to make people wish they hadn't have done things. And at the same time, they're going to have to change their philosophy on when they check stuff. So if you go – and, and I hear there should be post, no post-race tech. That's insane. If you had no post-race tech with the innovative people in that cup garage and the ability to have access to engineering, if you had zero post-race tech, it would be a free-for-all. 
You have to have post-race tech. You cannot get rid of post-race tech, but the things you check and how you check them post-race, that philosophy from NASCAR may need to change. Should post-race tech be limited, as Steve O'Donnell has said, NASCAR would like to do possibly as early as next year, should it be limited just to the four or five hours after a race ends? Well, and, so, and forget the R&D yeah, inspections. Well, I'm up in the air about that, and, and here's why I'm up in the air about that, because we're not racing like we raced 10 years ago. The sport's changed. Whether you like it or not, the sport's changed. And NASCAR has to change with it. NASCAR cannot not stay with the times. They have to attack according to the technology that's available to the teams. And the technology today is different than it's ever been. So would I prefer tech to happen on Sunday? Of course, 100%. But if that means that the teams now have the ability to do things that is going to get through, that's where I have a problem. But I don't like learning on Wednesday afternoon that somebody was DQ'd yeah, or not DQ'd. Just NASCAR, yeah. I don't like that. And, <laughs> right. and the whole sport doesn't like it. Right. I'm not going to like it anymore on Sunday night. I'm not going to like it anymore then, nor the fans or nor the team that got caught. Um, but I'd, I guess in a perfect world, I'd rather it not happen. But in the imperfect world we live in, uh, Sunday night's better than Wednesday night. I get asked sometimes, why doesn't this happen as much in other major sanctioning bodies? Like, why don't we see it like an F1 or IndyCar? You don't have experience with those series, but I know you're well-versed. Could you speak to, like, why NASCAR? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't speak to that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I do not know anything about tech in, in, in IndyCar or F1. I just don't know. So I, I wouldn't want to interject because I don't have an opinion. But it does, what, it does, what it does happen in is my son races super late models. And we race all over the country. Short track racing, it's frequent. And it's frequent. Yeah. And that's why you have to have post-race tech. Because I've seen huge races won with stuff that was illegal. And people say, well, if you you check it before the race and it's good, then it's good. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) So you're telling me that as long as it's good before the race, you're good with whatever happens. (laughs) Whatever happens during the race, you're good with that. People that are around the technology today and understand the technology today and what these teams can do, they understand there has to be post-race tech. Well, what we hear now, obviously, is this term engineered to fail, that teams create yep. parts and build parts with the, as you just said, with the stated goal of it'll pass in pre-race, but then as soon as it hits the track, something will happen and it'll kind yep. of deform or whatever. How far does that go back? Is that something that, you know, when you were racing, when you started racing like 10, 15 years ago, were they doing this? Or is this just yeah, the explosion so, so, of engineering so, changes? So when, when people say that there should be no post-race tech, I go back and I say, what about the car at Daytona that got caught inadvertently with deck lid hinges that were hydraulic, that the deck lid would go down like two inches to get the spoiler out of the air. What if you saw that after the race? Are you not supposed to do anything about that? What if you saw that a team on pit road took 10 rounds out of the back of the car and lowered the back of the car? You can't tech that? So, yes, these things have been going on forever. The, the, we used to, the big thing used to be to pull on the fenders because they check fender measurements before the race but didn't check them after because they couldn't account for damage we had fender braces that had notches in them that we could you know we could pull the fender and it you know it measured 76 inches but after you pulled the finger it magically measured 80 inches <laughs> you know what i mean but they didn't check it post-race because they said well the it, you know when you're racing you can't handle it yeah so nascar had to step in and say okay no more fender braces that are adjustable they had to step in and do that so when you really go back and think about the history of the sport, when you leave an opening, these teams are going to take it. In my opinion, and, and, and we can debate this, but in my opinion, NASCAR, perhaps NASCAR's most important job is keeping the sport honest, keeping the integrity. Because whether you like it or not, when competition's involved, the competitor's integrity 
isn't there. It, it, it just isn't. It is we are going to win at all costs. And in our sport, different than every other sport, okay? Remember the football debacle with Tom Brady and the air pressure? They have a ball. Right. We have thousands of parts. Right. So NASCAR has to police the race, and they have to police the ball. So you give the New England Patriots, and you say, you provide your football. You wear whatever cleats you want to wear. You wear whatever helmets you want to wear. You have the field however you want it to be, and then see what happens. Bill Belichick would never lose another game. So, so <laughs> you know, you we don't care if you tape other people's practices. We don't care if, right. you play it, if you're filming other players. While, I mean, think about this. So, the, so NASCAR is so much more complicated. The sport of motorsports is so much more complicated because wh- whether it's NASCAR or ARCA or IndyCar, you have to police the car, the people, and the race. It's completely different, and it's way more complicated. And my experience has been from super late models to late model stock cars to the Cup Series. When you don't police it at an unbelievably tight rate, things get completely out of control. And, but having said that, when there's, it's problematic. It's way easier. It's way easier to police it loosely. It's way easier for NASCAR, and then that becomes much more difficult to the, for the teams. So this is why teams essentially are asking for this. Like, even though there's this great debate over, you know, cheating versus pushing the boundaries, and there's all these gray areas, teams want this because it's essentially help us save us from ourselves. We know the evil that other teams will do based on what we'll do, and somebody has to be in the middle of all of so it, the right? car So the car owners are in this really weird place where the car owners want NASCAR to make a certain amount of rules to help contain cost. And then they have crew chiefs and engineers and drivers that when the door shuts, don't care. And they want to win. And the owner wants to win too. So the owners get caught in this juggle between working with NASCAR and working with their teams, right? Angel and, and, and the devil and, on each and shoulder. And, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you – so ultimately – how do you do it? How do you balance all that? And it's very—it's a very difficult balancing act. So NASCAR is in this cycle, right? In, in, in the sport, every sport has cycles. So NASCAR is seen by me as in a cycle of saying, we're going to police at an extraordinarily high rate, and we're going to penalize when we catch you, with the goal being, have you prevented from doing it again? And by the way, have your competition prevented it? It's a deterrent. I don't think NASCAR, NASCAR doesn't enjoy making these penalties. NASCAR wants everybody to abide by the rules. And it's interesting, like, I don't think that they, they don't think the garage is full of bad people. They just know the garage is full of people that are trying to win races and get an advantage in every form of fashion they can. And the understanding of where those advantages are at a, are at a much higher rate today than they've ever been. So technology's awesome. But technology creates a lot of problems, too. And this is an area where technology and the ability for access for information and knowledge and where are the advantages and how can I get them, that has created this completely different way that NASCAR has to police the sport. Now, I'm not saying they get it right. I think there's things they can improve on, for sure. But the idea, that they ha- the idea of them policing less, you and I may not know the things that are going on, but the people in the garage know what's going on, and, and it would be chaos. So it's like the technology is outstripping NASCAR or any sanctioning body's ability to police or enforce. Like what they've done traditionally is not really going to work, given it, that technology is going to be ahead of that. If you, if you police the sport with templates and tape measures, yeah. like you used to be, 
you can do that. And I'm not saying that's all wrong. But you hear the owners talking about how much it costs today, and there's this big conversation about the, the business of NASCAR. Well, is that in the best interest of NASCAR or not? I don't know. I, I think that in some areas, it would co- the cost would go up. In other areas, the cost may go down. Okay, let's pause the podcast here to tell you about a product from our presenting sponsor, STP, and that is the Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. For more than 60 years, STP has been on the cutting edge developing products such as this to help engines perform at their best. And this newest product, the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer, delivers three times the amount of cleaning agents versus premium gasoline. That helps keep fuel fresh during storage, especially in engines that are stored over an extended period of time. I have used products such as these for years in my personal cars. They're very easy to use. You just put the contents in the gas tank and they improve fuel efficiency and also keep your engines running smoothly. The STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer is compatible with all two and four-stroke engines including lawnmowers, boats, and motorcycles. And one bottle contains three times by weight the amount of cleaning agents compared to 20 gallons of the leading premium gasoline. So be sure to check out the STP Ultra 5-in-1 Plus Fuel System Cleaner and Fuel Stabilizer. And now let's return to our conversation with Jeff Burton. You uh, used a great analogy when we were talking about this idea that this is like a teenager who asked for the car keys the first time, wants to drive, and it's like, okay, the parent says, yeah, we're going to let you do this, but it comes with some measure of responsibility. And that that's how you kind of see the teams are asking NASCAR, we need you guys to like police this, enforce this. They're asking for some layer of, of rules enforcement here, but it comes with responsibility, it sounds like, on their end. And that's where it's difficult. How much do you give up a performance advantage for being a good soldier right. and adhering to the rules. So, so right? we go back to, to Joy Logano sitting on pit road for the entire practice in New Hampshire. And some people thought that was ridiculous. And to be honest with you, I thought it was ridiculous too. But what in the hell are you supposed to do when the penalty is you sit on the end of pit road for 15 minutes, the, you sit on the pit road, end of pit road for 30 minutes, you sit on the pit road, end of pit road for 45. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to say, okay, Joey, because you don't have to, pra- you don't get to practice at all. You don't have to sit in your car, but but all the while, Clint Boyer's down there sitting in his car for 30 minutes, right? So that's the problem with rules is you have to enforce them and you have to be consistent. And in my world, although that looks silly, what the hell else are you supposed to do? Until you change the rule and you say, you know what, good point. You sit at the end of pit road, it kind of looks bad for you, the sport, everybody involved. But at the same time, you, you, you need to be consistent. Clint Boyer's sitting in his car for 30 minutes. You can sit in yours for 50. But NASCAR has no choice, in my eyes. They have no choice but to hold the teams to a high standard. And the teams are going to have to say, okay, we're going to have to be willing to give up a little bit going through tech. We're going to have to be willing to give up a little bit. And, and they haven't been yet. So what the next step's going to be, there are going to be more penalties. It's not going back. They're not going to quit. They're not going to quit teching the sport. And, but it looks horrible for the sport when somebody can't go out and qualify. It's horrible, it, it, and it's a disservice to the fans. It's, and, it, and to be honest with you, it, it makes me mad because as a, as a race – and I'm a race fan. I was a race fan before I was a driver, I can promise you. And as a race fan, when a car didn't go out to qualify, it, it kind of makes me mad because I'm like, man, you're cheating the fans, the people that turned on the TV, the people that sat in the seats, the people that are listening on the radio. Their guy isn't even on the racetrack. So – People say, well, NASCAR, they shouldn't be doing this. Well, wait a minute. Everybody knows the rules. 
everybody knows them. The teams are going to have to get a control of this, and they're going to have to get their cars through tech. And and if they can't, then NASCAR is going to have to say, you know what, we're going to triple penalties. We're going to make the penalties even bigger. And it's that's not good for the sport. But I but nobody cheats on engines. You know why? Because you'll get killed. The penalty is so big. <laughs> for it, yeah, it's so big that you can't afford it. If I believe if NASCAR made the penalties bigger you'd see less penalties. If you go the other way, which is the easier thing to do, you and I don't know the chaos that ensues, and maybe that's better. You know, Maybe we don't need to know how the cake's involved. It's cooked, but without those rules, it, the, the, the garage is, is, is in a completely different place. So next year you think bigger penalties for more deterrence. And I think that's work. a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a possibility. So, so, so my son races super late models, and we have a, we have a guy that does tech. And uh, when you go race with this one organization, this one race, when you go there, you know the scrutiny. You know he doesn't care who you are, what you just did, what you did four years ago. He don't care. He will throw your ass out. And when you go run that race and you got beat, there's not even a thought in the back of your mind. You know, those guys got by with something. But when you go to a racetrack that it's not like that, and you get beat, it's in the back of your mind. Well, I wonder if they were doing this, or I wonder if you... So, from a personal experience, although it's ugly, and it's, it's not pretty, and it's difficult, you know, I don't want less rules. I want the thought process, and when it's teched, and when it's good, I want all that to change, some of that to change. But to relinquish the responsibility of teching at a high level, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to the fans, nor is it fair to the teams. We were both at the R&D Center last month, and NASCAR unveiled this new way that they're going to tech cars next year, like full body scan yeah. should be allow them to be much more precise. They're saying it should make it more efficient. Do you think that will help at all in this process? Well, I think the yes, I do. I think that some old school guys say, wait a minute, we're going to tech bodies with lasers and <laughs> with laptops, right? Yeah. And they're like, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But but if you think about it, the way it works today is that there's a grid of templates that fit on the car, right? But there's all these places in within those templates that you can work on. Well, this kind of eliminates all that, and it takes away some of that. Now, some people say you should have it. I don't know which is right, but I think this will be this will be faster, and it'll it'll give NASCAR a way, I think, to roll through post-race. And I think they've got to get to the place where when you if you roll through tech post-race, you're good. Like you can't not have post-race, but some of it they just they're just going to have to give up on and not be taking parts apart. Now I do think that they should still take cars at R&D center and they should still tear cars apart and they should have a way to tear cars apart at the track and check things that were built to move when they're not supposed to move. I'm not saying they shouldn't tech, but I still think you should be able to take a car to the tech and take it completely apart on a Tuesday or a Monday to learn to apply for new rules and that kind of stuff to stay ahead of it because the teams by very nature are going to always be ahead of tech. They're always going to be ahead of the officials because the team's job is to build faster race cars. NASCAR or whoever the sanctioned body is, their job is to police the sport. But the guys that are trying to build faster race cars, they're always going to be ahead of the guys at Tech. 
Right. Always. All right. Well, we'll end here. There was a rules issue Sunday at Charlotte, but in this case, it was a rule apparently nobody knew that wasn't going to result in the penalty. Jimmy Johnson's team hit a lug nut after he was outside the stall, after he essentially completed his stop. And the 48 team apparently knew when nobody else did that you could do this outside your stall and not incur a penalty. Steve Letarte was on NASCAR America this week talking about this. I wanted to give you a shot at it as well. And Tart basically said NASCAR just needs to do a better job of communicating. NASCAR's explanation was, was that, hey, yeah, we didn't tell all the teams, but if they would have asked us we would have told them what's your take on that should have there been more knowledge of this spread around I, I don't think that the teams can abide by the rules if they don't know them. and the teams deserve to know the rules so that they can abide by the rules and by the way take advantage of them I mean that's part of racing that's part of football is that you understand when the two-minute warning is you take advantage of that the team's should be given all the information to take advantage of the rules and in no form or fashion is it okay that some teams you shouldn't have to go ask the rules the rules should be the rules should be written should be easily stated and if you had a weird situation like came up with the 48 supposedly you know weeks and weeks ahead ago i believe nascar has the commitment to the teams if they're going to police the sport at a high level they also have to communicate at a high level and I, I, I just don't think that that's right. I think that they should have, okay, this is a weird situation. Let's make sure under, all the teams understand this rule. Anything other than that was, was a mistake. And I think NASCAR, looking back on them, would probably admit that. Essentially, they're saying it's for safety reasons. And to me, that's the telltale sign right there. If it's partially for well, safety, I don't, then I don't, everybody I, should know it, right? I, I, I don't buy, I don't yeah, buy I don't that. Buy I, I, think that <laughs> I think that essentially the more rules you have, the more complicated it gets. Yeah. So quite simply, if the rule is you have to be in your box to service the car, then you should have to be in your box to service the car. Uh, I will say this. Think about a guy that slides in his pits and they start working on the car, but they don't take the tire off. So the guy hits lug nuts, bop, 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 bop. Whoa, car's out of the box. Sliding back in the box. Take the lug nuts off, take the tire off, put tire back on. There's no penalty. If they change the tire outside of the box, there is a penalty. So consider that for a moment. So is this different than that? <laughs> would seem not to be. Yeah. So, but you have, but yeah. so once again, some people would say, well, it's too many rules. Okay. Well, the rule should be, you can just pit anywhere. Wherever the hell you want to pit, you can pit. <laughs> right. 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 That sounds safe. So what I have learned in trying to work with the teams, man, well, this team, four guys, they slid through the pit box and we shouldn't penalize them. NASCAR has to be mean. <laughs> I mean, they, look, I'm sorry. You were pitted out of your box. I don't care why. It doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. a penalty. The, well, but in this case, and that gets confusing for the fans, and in this case, we had, team, we had crew chiefs that didn't know the rule. Now, having said that, we have championship crew chiefs that we've seen pit while serving a penalty and didn't know that wasn't a rule, too, right? right? So, so you can't always say if the, if the crew chiefs and the teams didn't know it, it's, it, then it's a miscommunication. Sometimes they just don't know it. But that, to me, was president was set, and I'm fine sticking with presidents. I'm fine with that. But once presidents is set, that needs to be communicated. Yeah, yeah. And NASCAR maybe should just play the bad cop and here's the rule, we're enforcing it, we don't care if it's lug nuts or not. In the world of – you know, cameras and, and how they officiate pit road, which is remarkable, by the way. The way pit road is officiated today is really good. This is an example of a, a kink in the armor, but as whole, in a whole, you uh, I, I have to remember, I raced, I raced during a time where they used stopwatches right. to, to calculate pit road speed, and there was four people or five people up there, and they just randomly picking, I got that guy, I got that guy, and they were just using stopwatches, right? I lived through that. This is remarkable, the way it works, and the way the camera systems work is remarkable. 
making it simple, I think, is is the best thing. You've made a lot of things simple in this discussion. I appreciate Not you really. doing it. Not really. I think it. I'm more confused. No, <laughs> no it was good. It's a t- it's a it is it is a debate that is had in in law. Yeah. It's a debate that's had in officiating. Is more penalty going to create less problems? Is more enforcement going to create less problems? We've had this conversation about marijuana. You know, some states have said, you know what, it's legal because it's easier, right? We'll get the taxes. We don't have to put people in jail, you know, that are, that are selling drugs, right? We have states that say, oh, no, heck no. Marijuana should not be legal, right? It's, it's the same debate. It's this, really, it is. It's, it's the same debate in some kind of a weird way. What do you believe? Do you believe more rules, more laws, or less? You know, I think we can, as reasonable people, can disagree. Yeah, well, it was a good debate. It's a good discussion. Next time, we'll talk racing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. We appreciate Jeff Burton for joining us, always gleaning new information when he is pontificating on NASCAR. No exception this time. Brought great insight into the hows and whys of NASCAR inspection why he believes greater deterrence is the end game, and even tying in a parallel to the legalization of marijuana. That was a fun discussion to have with a guy who puts a lot of thought into his opinions. And if you were paying attention, you might have heard some background noise, including the voice of a small child. No, you weren't hearing things. We taped this just before an episode of NASCAR America that was being hosted by Krista Voda, who had her four-year-old daughter in tow. So if you caught some of that, it was Emmy's quasi-podcast debut. Congrats to Emmy. Some debuts ahead on the NASCAR and NBC podcast presented by STP. We have several episodes that are in the can and ready to roll in the weeks ahead including Tony Gibson, the crew chief for Kurt Busch, Andy Graves, vice president and technical director at Toyota Racing Development, Eric Jones, rookie with Furniture Row Racing, and Diane Hall, the manager of aerodynamics at Hendrick Motorsports. So many good conversations to come in the next four weeks. NASCAR is at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend, and here is the rundown for broadcast coverage, starting with Cup Practices Friday, at 1 and 3 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. On Saturday, it's Cup Qualifying at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And on Sunday, NASCAR America Pre-Race Show begins at 1 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN, followed by Countdown to Green at 1.30 p.m. on NBC, and then the green flag for the Cup Playoff Race from Talladega at 2.19 p.m. Eastern on NBC. If you enjoy what you're hearing on the NASCAR NBC podcast, Please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find this one. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast presented by SDP. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader with the wells fargo active cash credit card you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need that means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. 
Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.